We're very thankful for this uh, precious opportunity that God's given us to meet together. It's good to see each one of you. Most of all, we hope today that uh, our Lord and Master in His mercy would allow us to feel His presence. You know, the Bible teaches us that He's everywhere present, nowhere absent. I believe He's here, but I'm hoping He will allow me to feel that He's here today. And I would ask that you'd pray for me during this, this time that I would stand before you. I'd like first to look at a verse of Scripture found in Psalms chapter 39 and verse 4. And David is the penman here, but we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, so God is the author. And David said, Lord, make me to know my end, the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. These words that are penned by David are words that remind us of, of the brevity of life and just how short it is. These words also motivate us as children of God in remembering just the short time that we have here, but also in remembering the short time we have here, it helps us with many of the trials and tribulations of life. I think everyone that's here this afternoon would agree that life is, is very short. Amen. It's very short. You know, there was a time on earth that men lived much longer than they live today. Now, there's a man in the Bible, his name was Methuselah. He lived 969 years long. That is a long time to be on earth. I think it was Noah that lived 950 years, Adam 930 years. That is a long time to live on earth. But that's from my perspective. You know, when you think about the perspective of eternity, it's, it's very brief. Those were just short years. I'm sure... Noah, when he'd come to the end of his life, looked back and said, wow, it's just been a, been a short time. I remember a man in the Bible named Jacob. He said this of his life. He said, few and evil have been the days of my pilgrimage upon earth. He said that to Pharaoh. It's just been a, a few days. You know, Job teaches us in Job chapter 7 and verse 6 that the days of man, they're swift. They're as swift as an eagle that, that would fly to its prey. Have you ever watched a, a hawk or an eagle fly down on its prey and how fast it got it and was, was gone? That's, life is that fast. Job chapter 9 verse 26 teaches us as fast as a ship that passeth by with you being here close to the seashore. I'm sure you went to the beach and you saw a little ship out here in the distance and you look down and dig in the sand. You look up and it's, it's way over here to the left. It goes by really quick. James teaches us in James chapter 4 and verse 14 that life is just a vapor. It's true. And, and it's over. You know, this, this became real to me many years ago when uh, I visited with my mom and dad. And I went to mom and daddy's house one day and, and daddy and mama, they had a picture of me when I was just, just a baby on the wall there. And I walked in and daddy had a tear in his eye and had his old Bible in his hand. And he looked up there and he, he said, you know, there's my little preacher. Of course, by that time, I was already trying to pastor the Lord's people. And he said, you know, my little preacher, he said, he used to come and sit on my lap. He said, now he's, he's grown up. And he said, uh, he's a grown man. How life had passed so quickly. You know, my daddy called me his little preacher because you may not believe this, but when I was little, I used to act like a preacher. And I'm still doing that today. <laughs> I'm just acting like a preacher. You know, my daddy used to tell me, if you can't preach, at least try to dress like one. <laughs> but I'd act like a preacher. You know, I was all 
around all those preachers and they would get in the pulpit and you know I was raised a missionary Baptist and they would get kind of loud and you know bang on the pulpit get everybody's attention so I would get me a little board and I'd bang on it and have my little Bible and I'd shake it and mom and daddy they always called me their little preacher and here just a brief amount of time I was grown up I'm sure daddy as he looked at me thought how how time passed so quickly you know the last time I was here you know Joshua was was just a little bitty thing you know, now he's, he's 15 years old. He's got his learner's license. You know, he, he's as tall as me now. How time has passed fast. I'm, I'm 52 years old. I know that doesn't seem old to some that's in the congregation, but to me that used to be just 16 yesterday, that seems pretty old. I'm, I'm 52. Uh, my, how, how time has passed by so fast and for me. And can you look back in your life and see the brevity of life? And David said, Lord, Made me to know my end, the measure of my days, what it is that I may know, that I may remember how frail I am. Why, I need to keep this, keep this in mind, just how short life is. Well, what are the benefits that we have by just remembering, keeping in mind that, that life is short? It helps us deal with the disappointments of life. You know, this life is full of disappointments. But, you know, just remembering that we're strangers and pilgrims and sojourners in this world, that's what the Bible calls us, pilgrims, strangers, and sojourners. You know, you know what a stranger is? A stranger is someone that's really not of the place he's living. That's what a stranger is. You know, when Sarah Beth was born out in Seattle, Washington, there in Bremerton, we were about 50 miles past the Tacoma Narrows, and, and while we were there, they got some paperwork mixed up about the adoption, and my hair was getting kind of grown out, and uh, I thought, I'm going to go see if I can find me a place to get a haircut. Jennifer and I walked into a place and a man said, may I help you? And I said, yes, I'm here to get a haircut. I, I'm not from here. He heard my accent. He said, no kidding. <laughs> my accent gave it away that I wasn't from that area. A stranger is someone that's not from that area. Well, what's, what's a sojourner? A sojourner is someone that's not of that area that's living there temporarily. That's what a sojourner is. And certainly we're sojourners. We're just here temporarily for a little while to be at another place. A pilgrim is really a stranger sojourner that's passing through another area and his goal is to be in another place. So temporarily in this place. So our time here being brief is just a little while. If we keep that in mind, wow, how that helps us to deal with the disappointments of, of life. Letdowns, letdowns. Would you agree that this world is full of letdowns? A man named Jacob was a man that had to deal with a lot of disappointments of life. Do you think he was disappointed when he found out his sons had lied to him about Joseph being dead? Oh, he was disappointed. He was disappointed when his wife died, I think giving birth to his son. He was disappointed, I'm sure, in his mind before she passed. He was thinking, you know, we've got time together to see our two boys. He loved Rachel. You know, he told Pharaoh the Lord blessed him with a wife. wife. He loved Rachel more than the other women in his life. I had a person ask me recently, do you, do you think that was all right for them to have more than one wife in the Old Testament? The Lord suffered it, but I don't think it was all right. You'll notice any man that had more than one wife in the Old Testament, he suffered a lot. He had troubles. And I don't know anybody that had more wives than Solomon. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And I think I said this a few weeks ago, that's way too many mother-in-laws for me, brothers. <laughs> but he was in a state of disappointment. Life is full of disappointments. I want to tell you, this, this past year and a half, brothers and sisters, the children of God have, have had to live with a lot of disappointments. 
Now, I'm going to confess to you, I've, I've been disappointed. I've been disappointed with communities. I've been disappointed with our government. I've been disappointed with, with a lot. It's, it's, folks will let you down and disappoint you. But aren't you glad if we keep in mind, it's, we're just here for a little while and hallelujah, there's coming a time when none of us will be disappointed. <laughs> you know, my grandpa, Ben Landers Loudermilk, now he, he was not a preacher. Matter of fact, I'm going to confess to you, he was the complete opposite of a preacher. He didn't even like preachers. <laughs> my grandpa told me when I was little, he said, listen here, Bunk. He called me Bunk. He said, there's two fellows you always stay away from, doctors and preachers. He said, every time you get around one, they'll tell you something's wrong with you. <laughs> but my grandpa, he was a man that was difficult to impress. He was underwhelmed, always disappointed. No matter what I did, it was not enough to impress him. My daddy told me the first time he took Papa, Ben, to the beach, first time he saw it in his life, took him here to the Atlantic Ocean, and Papa looked out there and just, hmm. And then he said, what do you think? Dad, he said, you know what, son? He said, I thought it'd be bigger. <laughs> wow, just let down. Nothing could impress him. But would you agree that when my father, grandfather closed his eyes in death and he opened his eyes in glory, he was not disappointed? No one has ever been disappointed when they open their eyes in glory and see heaven that was prepared for the family of God from the foundation of the world. I will confess this to you by the truth of Scripture that I believe this, that there's coming a day in our near future. I say near because it's closer today than it was yesterday. That no child of God is going to be disappointed. The Bible says, I think in Romans chapter 8 and verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The earnest expectation is the hope. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that word and there is a conjoining word, chi, that's literally saying I'm saying the same thing just in different words. That's what he's doing. It's the same thing the Lord said there in John chapter 3 and verse 5 when he said, except a man be born of water and of spirit. It's basically saying the same thing, just used in a different way of saying it. He said, except a man be born of the spirit, by the Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying. Paul is saying earnest expectation and his hope is one and the same. It's just a different way of saying the same thing. The earnest expectation of the creature. What's the creature here? The creature is the born again child of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. It's the born again child of God. Well, the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth, waiteth for something for the manifestation of the sons of God. What is he saying? We're waiting on that day. We won't be disappointed even with ourselves. Amen. Do you ever get disappointed even with yourself? I tell you, any time that the time rolls around for me to go into the pulpit, right before I'm disappointed in myself, I have not studied and prepared myself to preach as I should. And no man has. I get disappointed with myself as a, as a parent. As a parent. I got kids at home. I love my kids. You know, I... I was taking Joshua to his shooting camp this week, and Jennifer was taking Sarah Beth to her soccer camp. And I look back and I think, you know, I could have done a lot better than I've done. I'm dis disappointed. I get disappointed in a lot of things that I've done, even with the, the church. But I'm looking forward to a day when I won't be disappointed with myself, but I'll be satisfied with myself because I'll be in the image of my Lord, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. David said, as for me, I will see thy face in righteousness. I should be satisfied, comma, when I awake, comma, with thy likeness. What is he saying? I should be satisfied with thy likeness. Notice the words in the commas. David said, there's a day coming. I'll be happy. No disappointments with, with me. But not only that, 
The Apostle Paul goes further about this satisfaction. He said, The creature was made subject unto vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in whole. Notice what he says about the creature. That same creature will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. For the creature itself shall be delivered from this bondage of corruption. What is he saying? One day there's a day coming you won't be disappointed about your environment and what's around you. I get disappointed with all this that's around me. I do. Anybody that's ever pastored a church is going to have disappointments in his life. My mom, years ago, I went to her house and I saw a pan on the stove. It's the pan where mama puts her biscuits out every day. And daddy was alive then. And mama just had four biscuits on that pan. And I remember when I was little, I'd come to mom and daddy's house. When I walked in the house, man, I'm going to tell you, that, that stove would be filled with biscuits. I remember my daddy, he would tell mama, Faith, ain't no sense in you making all them biscuits. There's no way we can eat all them biscuits. He's going to end up throwing them out to the dogs. And mama would say, well, you don't, you don't never know. Said some of the kids may want two or, or three or four biscuits. Well, after Bobby and Donna left home, you know, me and David there, mama would make less biscuits. Daddy, he's still griping and grumbling. Faith, I don't know why you making so many biscuits. Said, you know, it's just me and you and Ronnie and David here. And I'd come in the house and hear them talking. He wouldn't need all them biscuits. Well, David, he left home and I was going to school still living at mom and daddy's and mama's number went down. Faye, you're making too many biscuits. There's no way me and you and Ronnie can eat all, all those biscuits. Well, that day I'm telling you about that, I went to mom and daddy's house. Mom just had four on the stove. Daddy's still fussing, too many biscuits. But you notice how those numbers went down with her expectation of company. See, a pastor, he labors to have food on the table on Sunday morning. And do you realize the disappointments of the congregation could hinder him in preparing food for the church? Wow, that's a good point, isn't it? Just like my mom. You see, my mom, just her expectation of company, it reduced and reduced and reduced and her excitement about making it was, was reduced. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, you need to pray for your pastor. You need to do all you can to encourage your pastor because there are a lot of disappointments in life. But I am happy to know this, that disappointments in life, there's one day it will end and I can deal with the disappointments, keeping my mind fixed on the day there'll be no more disappointments. It's just a little while. I tell you what, keeping in mind life is short helps me to deal with the sufferings of life. You know, this life is full of sufferings. And people suffer for different reasons. Now, some people think, well, if I'm suffering, it's because the Lord put it on me. No, that's not right. Sometimes we suffer because we're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes we suffer because we make a lot of bad decisions in life. You know, that brings a lot of sufferings on. You remember Time Magazine, the little story about Time Magazine years ago, went down to Swainsboro, Georgia. They said they went down through there and there's a man just barely crossed the road on his cane, you know, just barely walking. And they stopped and they said, you know, we're doing a study on the longevity of life. And what have you done to live so long? He said, well, he said, i tell you what, I'm a chain smoker. I smoke about two packs a day. And they're like, wow, I didn't think smokers lived that long. Yeah, and he said, I'm, I'm a horrible alcoholic. I've been in a lot of car accidents and I've been married seven times, seven divorces, been really rough. They said, well, if you don't mind, how old are you? He said, if I make it next week, I'll be 33. <laughs> 
we can make some bad decisions, just bring a lot of sufferings on our on ourselves. But no matter what the sufferings are, just keeping in mind, it's just a little while. It's just a little while. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote about that there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. He said, For our light affliction, which is but for a long period of time, no, but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory while we look. Not to things which are seen, but to things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are long-term. No, they're temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. And us keeping our mind fixed, it's just a little while, and we're going to be with the Lord and be happy and be satisfied. No disappointments. Oh, it helps me deal with the sufferings of life. I don't know how many times I've been to a, a nursing facility and saw a brother or sister that was suffering. I'll tell you what, if you want to get thankful, if you want to get thankful for what God has given you in your health, you go spend some time in a nursing facility. And the families ask you to come pray with their families. Yeah, it'll break your heart. And I don't know how many times I've comforted them by just saying, it's just, just a little while and all this is going to be over. Just a little. See, it helps us to deal with these afflictions and troubles of, of life. I'll tell you something else, keeping in mind the brevity of life will help you with. It'll help you deal with the guilt of your past sin. We all have past sin. We all have mistakes we've made. We've all sinned to come short of the glory of God. Any man that can look back on his life and say, I wouldn't do anything any different, that man is a fool. We all have sin in our life. We've got things that we've done that we wish we could have done differently. We've all got things that we could do different. But you know, the devil, a child of God, the devil will use those mistakes and beat them over the head, over the head and they feel so guilty you don't know how many times I've talked to people that had errors that they made, and they don't even, I don't want to come to church. I don't, you know, I don't feel comfortable coming to church. I've had that happen. It's because the devil's beating them over the head with their past sins. Oh, God, i got some good news for you. If you feel to be a sinner in your heart, it's only evidence that God has put his grace in you. Amen. The only way someone sees themselves a sinner and sees themselves to have errors in their life is if God's light the light of life is in them. The wicked are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued as other men. If you feel to be a sinner, i got good news for you, you're going to heaven. That makes you glad. But those past sins that you, you have a, your conscience of, the devil will use those to beat you over the head to make you feel less than, less than what you are by, by grace. You know, the child of God, you're the, you're the son of the king, son of the king. I mean, the Lord loved you before the world began. God has come down from heaven, Jesus Christ, God manifest in perfect humanity. Not God Jr., not a God wannabe, not God the second. No, he's God manifested in perfect humanity. He's not a creation of God. He's God manifested in perfect humanity. The text says this in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5, a body thou hast prepared for me. No, that's not what he says. A body thou hast prepared me, me, the incarnation, Jesus Christ, took upon himself perfect humanity, the word, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And John said, we handled him, touched him. He's God. He's God. And he's in you, dear child of God. And one day he's going to come back and take you home to glory and you'll be with him forever and ever. And all that he purchased on the cross, I will assure you he will have and not leave anything behind. He's going to have what he paid for. I don't know how many times I've, I've said this in pulpits uh, all across the southeast and Eastern America, but I've told this story about, about me and McDonald's. I want to put in a petition that we have three windows at every McDonald's. You know why I think we need three windows? 
You know, that first window is the window where we pay. The second window, we get our food. I want the third window so they'll give me what they forgot to give me at the second window. Now, I want to tell you, if you've got little kids, <laughs> now, you may not think about it until you get little kids. You know, you take a man that's living by himself like I was many years before Jennifer met me, it wasn't that big a deal. I could just pull around, park, and go in McDonald's and, hey, you forgot to give me my supersized fry. You forgot to give me my Big Mac. No big deal. But I want to tell you, you get kids, little kids. I want to tell you, getting kids in a car seat and then getting them out of the car seat and then putting them back in the car seat ain't as easy as some people make it look. I mean, some folks make it look easy, and someone says, well, Brother Ronnie, you must have a problem with your kids. My kids are as good as anybody else's kids, all right? Kids are kids. I'll tell you, you put the kid out of the car seat, and you try to put them back, and you start getting this number here. I mean, it gets embarrassing. And I, that's why a lot of parents just go on. they just like, well, they can keep it. <laughs> I took, went through McDonald's one time. I picked up Joshua at school, and Sarah Beth was just a little baby, and I went to that second window. You know, we ordered our Happy Meals, and I went to that second window and got my food and was driving off and handing the food. Joshua, he looked at me, he said, Daddy, he said, my chicken nuggets is nothing more than a box of pickles. That's all I was in the box. I mean, who gives kids a box of pickles? <laughs> who does that? Well, you know what I did? I went around and I got in line. It was in the summertime and I stayed in line. I don't know how long my window going up and down until I finally got around there and got my chicken nuggets that I paid for. You know why I wanted them? I paid for those chicken nuggets. I wanted them. Yeah. Now, if me... I'm going to go through that trouble to make sure I get what I paid for. Don't tell me the Lord's not going to get all he paid for, okay? He's going to get all that he purchased and he, and he paid for. Amen. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that day. But if we feel to be a sinner, we're going to be there one day because the only way you can feel to be a sinner is if God's light is in you. But how the devil will use our past sins to beat us over the head, torture us. You remember Joseph's brethren? They come down to Egypt. They're in the land of Goshen. I don't remember Joseph had anything of all against those brothers. But they said, you know, there in Genesis chapter 50, our father said while he was yet alive that you should forgive us. Joseph said, am I God? What is he saying? Your problem's not with me. Your problem's with God. Your problem's in your conscience with the Lord. How much fellowship were they missing out with Joseph and enjoying his fellowship just because they, they couldn't forget about their past mistakes. Brothers and sisters, the Lord's grace, not only has He cleansed us from our sin before the throne of heaven, and we're all just and holy without blame, His blood is sufficient to cleanse you of the sin of your life, to wash you from that sin of your life. God loves His little children. You know, my little boy, my little boy is not a perfect boy. My boy does wrong, but you know what? I don't hold things against my boy. You know why? I love my little boy. My little boy comes to me and tells me he's sorry. You know what? It's, it's fine. It's fine. And we go on just like regular business. And when we make mistakes, we should not allow the devil to beat us over the head and beat us over the head. We just need to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and go on and thank God for his grace that he has for us. His mercies are everlasting. And the devil wouldn't mind for you to remember God's mercy. But sometimes he won't let you remember he's long-suffering. You catch that? See, the Lord's merciful even in His chastisement of His children. He's merciful. The devil sometimes lets you remember He's merciful, but He didn't want you to remember His long-suffering because the devil won't, does not want you to remember that God will give you a second chance as His little child. God is merciful. And if we keep in mind, hey, it's just a little while, I'm not going to let the devil beat me up in my service to the Lord. I believe God is able to forgive me. And look, I'm going to dust myself off and I'm going to go. Just remembering that life is too short.
Don't let the devil and the guilt of your sins hinder you from your joy in the Lord and your time in the house of God. Finally, remembering that life is short motivates me to serve God better. See, I just got just a little while. I don't have long. Often, you know, you talk to people, well, I'll tell you what, you know, maybe we'll wait. Might see you next month. I don't know if you got next month. The Bible says not to boast yourself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what tomorrow would bring. I may not have tomorrow. Life is short. It's time to get started. We need to know now is the time, now is the high time to wake out of sleep. Today is that day of salvation, which that salvation there is not eternal salvation, but a salvation of fellowship with God, being saved from all the troubles of life. Just got a little while. I was raised the son of a missionary Baptist preacher in North Georgia. The Lord blessed my daddy to see the truth, and he left the missionary Baptist and joined the primitive Baptist. I'll confess to you, I did not want to do it because I got, I got my friends. I was raised up with here in the Missionary Baptist Church. I'm, I'm happy. I wouldn't get anything from the pulpit, but I, I said, I'm just going to stay where I'm at. My daddy told me, he said, why don't you just come with us to church, son? And I went to church. Elder Bob Scott was a pastor. It was the first time my soul had been fed in a long time, and I rejoiced in God's grace. I heard Elder Raven Lord tell this story one time, and he said there's a little boy that went up in the mountains one day, and he found an eagle's nest, and there was two eagle eggs that was there. He said the boy got those two eagle eggs and brought them all the way home. And set them under his mama's Dominecker. And that Dominecker set those eggs with her other bitty eggs. And they all hatched out about the same time. And he said, here you got these little bitty Domineckers and you got these two big eagles. And they're all just walking around together. He said, the eagles, he said, had dirt all over them and mud all over them. And he said, they're just eating worms with the other Dominecker. They didn't even know there's eagles and they could fly above all the worms and dirt. <laughs> when I heard Brother Bob Scott preach, it's like the first time I realized God's made me the eagle. And I could get above all this trouble that I was having in my mind and conviction of sin. I could get above it and I could just put my faith in Jesus and rejoice right. in the truth. They had a handshake the next Sunday. And I come through and I asked Brother Bob, I said, Brother Bob, are y'all still taking members in? If you are, I'd like to join the church here in faith. You know what? They graciously accepted me. Do you know what happened the next weekend? We had a cold front come through North Georgia. That Sunday morning, my baptism was scheduled. It was, it was 14 degrees that morning. We didn't have an inside baptism. It was 17 degrees after service closed. The high that day was going to be 21 degrees. You know, Brother John Scott was not ordained then. And Brother John, he said, Brother Ronnie, if you want to change your mind about today, it's fine. <laughs> and I can remember Elder Robert Ming, Elder Kerry Lathrop's grandpa, he told me, he said, Brother Ronnie, if you want to change your mind about today, it'd be okay. I didn't want to change my mind. I want to be a primitive Baptist. And I said, if you can get the elder to go out in the water with me, I want to be a primitive Baptist because I didn't know if I had next week. See, I wasn't born a primitive Baptist, but I believe what they believe, and I want to be identified with the primitive Baptist. The elder took me out in the water. 
And he baptized me, and my hair froze when I was coming to the bank. The water froze in my eyebrows. And my mom was shouting. She was happy. What if I'd have waited? What if I said, oh, I got next week? What would have happened? I don't know. We don't know what would have happened. But I had another opportunity. I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow would bring. Who knows? I might have, in my foolishness, pulled my car out in front of another car and died. And I'd have died without being a member of the Lord's church. Brother and sisters, life is just it's too short for us to waste. If you love God, let's lay aside the weights of this life. Let's follow Him and let's walk close to Him and let's be a servant of His here in His kingdom and let's serve Him like we don't have tomorrow. That we can leave an example for other children of God to see so that we can live in such a way that people would say, I want to go to church where that person goes to church. You know what happened in Acts chapter 16? And I'm going to close with this. Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, when the Apostle Paul was in Macedonia, and he cast that evil spirit out of that, that, that soothsayer, that woman that's a fortune teller, and they beat him and put him and Silas in prison. And about midnight, they began to sing, and the jailhouse rocked, and the jail doors went open. You know, it wasn't Elvis that made the jailhouse rock. It was God that made the jailhouse rock. The jailhouse rocked, the lights went out, and the Apostle Paul and Silas, they were singing. They were all singing praises to God. And that Philippian jailer, he was ready to kill himself. They said, do yourself no harm. He said, sir, what must I do to be saved? Now, this is my words, okay? My words. What he's saying is, what can I do to get what you got? What can I do to get what you got? Because you are in the jail, and you seem a lot happier than I am outside the jail. Let us start our service to the Lord and live in such a way that people on the outside would say, what can we do to get what you've got? Amen. And God richly blesses our prayer. Amen.